Hey everyone, it's Joel. This is going to be season two finale of Exponentially Empowered. Hope you're doing well. You might hear some birds here in the background. I have the door open on this lovely fall morning here in New Orleans, Louisiana. And yeah, this is season two finale. Listening to my gut to close it out. And I suspect I'll be back in 2021 for season three. But the aim of this podcast has always been, especially in season two, the aim has been to create fulfillment for myself first and foremost. And I find that when I have that intrinsic motivation, excitement in play, then that creates the most value for you, the listener as well. So I'm so excited to record this podcast and, and all that, but listening to my gut in my creative juice, I'm going to put the pause button on this podcast and close out season two and go into hibernation, so to speak, and return with more energy in season three. But I think we've covered some beautiful ground this season in the nature of looking at childhood experiences in particular and seeing the internal landscape from an internal family systems therapy perspective and a nonviolent communication perspective. We've talked to several guests from Praxis World who are demonstrating this beautiful path of creating your own professional life, pursuing what makes you come alive, even if it's not the normal way to do things of going to college and getting a job, checking boxes. So today I'd like to talk about turning off your phone. You know, I love podcasts and the digital world has opened up so much possibility in our lives and in my life and it's hard to calculate and fathom for me personally what my life would be, who I would be without the digital world coming in this century and offering new ideas, information, connections. I've developed meaningful relationships with people that literally wouldn't have happened, I suspect if the World Wide Web were not around. But I've also been very, throughout this digital evolution and revolution, these past 10 years, 15 years, I've always been someone who's been cognizant, I think more than the average person at least, about the digital world and technology and creating boundaries around it. Now, by no means am I someone who is the ideal model of digital minimalism, as Cal Newport calls it. But I was the one who didn't get a smartphone until 2016. Yeah. So a solid nine years after the smartphone came out, I resisted getting the smartphone uh, ever since Facebook. Well, since 2011 or so, 
I've been conscious of how Facebook can be deleterious. And I started a practice of, I, I sort of arbitrarily created a rule where Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, I don't go on Facebook. I just made that rule. And I've kept it. I mean, there's been a, a once in a blue moon, uh, I'll make an exception kind of thing. I, I don't like rules and restrictions as dogma. But kind of having these, essentially these these guardrails up and just saying, this is what I do. This is what I do. I don't check Facebook Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. I also don't check any social media the first few hours of the day. So that's one example, a couple examples of my practices with digital mindfulness, digital minimalism. But allow me to flesh this out and make the case for turning off your phone, unplugging from technology, having social media fasts. We need to counteract this in the culture. I mean, a lot of people right now are talking about this documentary, The Social Dilemma. I only watched the first 30 minutes of it. And it's one of those things where we all get it. We all get it in our guts, I think, that it's not the most enriching habit to continually check social media and check our texts or whatever the case may be. But we just kind of do it. It's what everyone else is doing, and it's hard to, to change it. And the world's changing anyway, so we're just more digital. And But increasing consciousness in this realm, I think is vital for wellness, for optimal experience, for creativity, for a sense of peace within the mind. Because continually distracting yourself, continually checking, continually sacrificing other possibilities, sacrificing other needs, Needs for presence, needs for in-person connection, needs for sleep. How many of us are sending off that email at 10.30 p.m. from our beds? I'm not doing that. I don't, I don't, I don't check email that in the last couple hours of the day. Definitely not in bed. But I guess people do that. Um, I mean, the cortisol that you're releasing when you're on email, just... The mind plugging in to email and thinking about the, the various tasks that are popping up when you're checking different emails. This is a sympathetic nervous system state. This is releasing cortisol, which is antithetical to melatonin, which will decrease your deep sleep. It'll decrease your sleep onset and your deep sleep. So this is one example where we need to get off the technology in the last couple hours of the day. Now, I'm not preaching here. I'm not judging here. Do what you want to do. There's no moralistic judgment here. I'm simply saying we need to engage in this level of consciousness if we want to have happier lives, have healthier lives, wake up in the morning refreshed. And also, I mentioned creativity. We need to be able to put away the distractions to find creative flow. 
to wake up in the morning and protect our time and engage in meaningful projects if we want to have creative fulfillment and engage in the flow process. Right now, I'm experiencing a level of flow recording the podcast. My phone is 100% powered off in a drawer in the other room. And I'm creating right now. So my mind is more in a zone, which is what the Polish psychologist who has the unpronounceable name in his book, Flow, talks about the creative process. And the subtitle of that book is The Psychology of Optimal Experience. So when you're creating a narrative in your life, developing meaning in your life, you need flow experiences to have a more enriching life. He talks about the difference between passive leisure and active leisure, between entertainment and recreation, where you're engaging the mind in a challenging activity, in a creative activity, or even a, something like deep reading a book, deep reading, getting into a, a mental brainwave activity of concentration through engagement in a book is going to have a higher degree of flow than engaging in passive leisure or entertainment. So watching Netflix or scrolling on social media or watching YouTube videos that are not super deep, right? And it's not about when I put these labels of this is a, a meaningful or deep experience, it's not about subjectively judging this is a better thing to be doing. It's that there is literally the brain is going into more of an immersive state of depth of presence. When you're immersed in a story, I was just reading a biography this morning of the composer Charles Ives. And I'm reading about the history of Danbury, Connecticut and this unfolding of the development of the town in the 1600s. And it's in this narrative biographical story form. So it was engaging me in that way and sending me to this new place in my mind of, oh, all of a sudden I'm in the 1600s and I'm here in a sense. And that's pulling me into this depth of experience. Contrast that to watching a sitcom on Netflix where there's this speed, where there's this flash of scenes cutting really quickly and the story is fragmented oftentimes with these scene cuts. That's the nature of, of entertainment, of television. So it's not that I never watch Netflix. It's not that there's no value. It's that are we conscious about the quality of experience and how we're allocating our time and attention? Time and attention. This is the key, right? The digital world is competing for our attention. I like to say, value your time like silver. Value your attention like gold. We often talk about time as immensely valuable and non-renewable resource. But attention 
is perhaps more valuable because no matter how much time you have, if you're not intentionally allocating your attention, you're missing out. So are you engaging in a level of conscientiousness about how you're interacting with your phone, with your email, with your social media, with your screens at large? How often are you taking a respite, taking an entire day of no technology? Are you getting out into the wilderness for a few days and unplugging it entirely? Reconnecting to our beautiful planet. There's so much benefit to that in mental cleansing and physical nervous system rejuvenation to engage in what the Japanese call forest bathing, immersing yourself in nature. And it's difficult. It's difficult in our daily lives, especially now where even more people are working from home, less in-person interaction, more screen interaction. That's why I wanted to highlight this topic to counteract the momentum of the culture, the momentum of the technology, because we want to use technology, not let technology use us. It is a tool, just like a hammer. It can be used for very specific, helpful, constructive activities or it can be used to actually hurt somebody. <laughs> Technology is a tool. Your phone is a tool. And we know these things. We've heard these things before. Great. Can you implement? Not simply know in the back of your mind and your, in your subconscious that, yeah, it'd be good. I should really kind of get off my phone. <laughs> but really heighten your intentionality and create specific game plans here. What's your game plan for your workflow, for your morning routine, for your nightly routine, your relationship with your phone? And again, don't engage in perfection here, in dogmatic rules and restrictions, but think of it as a self-interest. What are the costs and benefits of me choosing this action versus that action? It's not some deprivation when I put my phone in a drawer it is, wow, I will feel more present. I'll create more meaning in my life when I can put this away and create and engage in deep work, deep reading, deep practice. I know that I will experience better heightened physiological sensations of wellness and contentment, satisfaction, fulfillment. If I don't distract myself, so it is seeing the cost benefits and empathizing with the future self, thinking, man, I'll feel a lot better four hours from now if I spend my Sunday morning reading, recording a podcast, uh, working with my score of Beethoven's octet, writing a blog post perhaps doing some meaningful activities that are going to help my future self as opposed to I'm going to what I used to do about 10 years ago was just wake up and kind of get on Facebook first thing in the morning and check my news feed boom that completely sets the trajectory for your day for a scattered day 
you get the dopamine hits and then you get the other side of that on the other side of that 10 minutes of scrolling you feel deflated down depressed scattered most likely so can you get engaged in the cost benefit analysis of how particular actions ripple forward and engage in empathy for the future self how do i want to feel four hours from now how do i want to feel at the end of the day with what i accomplished you'll reduce anxiety if you go tackle the hard projects rather than just kind of procrastinate and scroll so it's not about creating rules that are puritanical and unflexible inflexible or depriving yourself it's simply no i'd rather do this it's just like if you're cutting out sugar from your diet if you can if you really want to do that the best way psychologically to do that one of the best ways is to just see it the intrinsic benefits of it oh wow i'm gonna feel more alive during my day because i don't want to have this inflammation in my body from sugar i'm gonna have a clear thinking i'm gonna feel more refreshed i'm gonna sleep better because my gut's not getting disrupted when you see the actual cause and effect of actions oh i'm gonna gonna go ahead and do that i'm not tempted by the donut because i see how the donut will affect me and the benefits of not eating the donut so it doesn't become this willpower thing so same thing with the digital habits how can you create some guidelines that are going to be helpful to nurturing enriching experience in your life so you're not forcing yourself you're not depriving yourself so a few more tips here sort of nuggets of actions that you can implement so i often will turn the phone off 100 percent, like i did today doing right now put it in the drawer i found this immensely valuable to getting work done can you block off the first few hours of your day and not need anyone to contact you and just do your work or maybe you you may have some sort of strategy where you don't check your phone for the first hour then you check it see if there's anything pressing then turn it back off for three hours and go do something else i mean there's studies that are showing that if your phone is simply next to you and there's the possibility that there's a notification going to come up you are not as present you are not as able to get in the flow state to create to find deep work to be present in a conversation man that is a pet peeve of mine when people have their phones not only not just if they're on their phone like at lunch with a friend or families but even if the phone's just right there on the table there's this third party (laughs) at the table there's a possibility that someone will disrupt the conversation with something else just put that thing away again it's not like this judgmental you're a bad person it's hey i really want to connect i really want presence connection meaning this is what we often are diluting when the phone is there so turn it 100 percent off when you're doing work if you're with people at a meal you could do the same or at least 
put it in silent mode, put it in the other room, put it in airplane mode. I also turn notifications off, essentially 100%. I have all my notifications off, including text messaging and the phone. Unless I'm really expecting a call. So I'll kind of go back and forth throughout the day as needed. If I'm expecting a message or a call, I'll go ahead and do that extra effort of turning the notification back on. I'm expecting a call. And this is really gets me in charge of my device. Like, no, no, no. These notifications are not going to take my, my, my mind over. I'm in charge of this tool. The tool will not use me. I will use the tool. Now, maybe that's too much for you, but at least turn the notifications off for your other apps. If you really think you need it on for your messaging, direct messaging and phone, I understand. That's the world these days. But at least don't have notifications on for everything else. You can intentionally say, okay, at this hour for 20 minutes, I'm going to check this notification or check this app, check that app. You don't need the whole world always pinging you and you'll feel more calm. I think more relaxed knowing that there's not going to be this bombardment of information all the time. Rather there's a tool and you're going to take it out of the toolkit and you're going to intentionally strike that nail with a hammer to build something constructive. I also put my phone in grayscale mode. If on the iPhone, if you go to, let's see, accessibility and then color filters, you can put the phone into grayscale mode where it's all black and white. And this eliminates some of the other psychology that's behind these technologies where, especially if you have notifications on, there's going to be that red button pops up. that's going to pull your mind to want to check things and that gets rid of the color. So then your mind's not attracted to the red and, and just the colors of all the apps makes it really like it makes the phone more interesting. So your dopamine gets more lit up and you're pulled to that device more. It's more boring to have the monochrome grayscale background. So it's not as, you're not as lured in to the phone. And I, I just, I really like that. Um, if I need to, you can triple click the home button on the phone and it'll turn back to regular colors. If you need to, if like you're trying to look at a photo, for instance, then you just put it back. There's just little tricks and tips here. What else? So email checking. You know, this is a big one, especially people working at home. And there's a culture of let's get our email. Let's stay on top of it. Let's not get behind. Let's respond quickly. And there's a lot of benefit to that. I'm all about having my inbox at zero. I think that's also going to help you feel more calm to be on top of email. But there's a sort of a dance here. There's a balance. How can you carve away time so that you're not checking email continuously and you're feeling more in concentration and creative mode and not letting the world bombard you and pull at your attention, right? 
So you need to find out how to balance that. But, you know, if there's a way you can say, I have two email sessions a day, one at 11 a.m. and one at 4 p.m. Or maybe I need to check email first thing in the morning, but I'll just do a scan to make sure there's nothing urgent. And then I'll wait till my 11 a.m. session to really process the entire inbox. And then I'll do another inbox processing at 4 p.m. And that's it. You can do it. You can, you're in charge. You don't have to do anything, right? You don't have to check email at 8 p.m. Like, see the episode of a couple weeks ago. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to check email in the evenings. You get to decide what you do. If you create your boundaries, say, no, 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 no. I don't check email in the evenings. Well, you'll probably be more productive at at work or whatever, where you have some boundaries, you have some rest time, you get better sleep because you're not releasing cortisol by checking at 8.30 p.m., 10.30 p.m., and you wake up and you're more productive that day, working smart and not working hard, not letting other people pull your strings. Don't let other people pull your strings. You don't want to be a puppet. You don't want the world just telling you what to do all the time and demanding you are in charge of the technology. And yes, it is challenging because there are sort of cultural expectations about communication, but we got to look at these costs, look at these costs of our attention getting sucked and our health, our nervous systems getting bombarded, our minds getting cluttered with information all the time. I mean, I feel it like I, Like I said, I've been really conscious about this for the past 10 years, but as the digital world has accelerated, it's become more difficult. I tend to get really drawn into podcasts. I love podcasts. There's been so much benefit there, but then how is that disrupting my ability to unplug? Um, When you're listening to a podcast like you're doing right now, which I appreciate You are engaging a certain level of brain activity. So it's, I heard it once called, ironically, again, I heard this on a podcast, but it's called the cognitive middle gear. So when you are in a focused creative state, focused work, deep work, that's the sort of cognitive high gear. Then cognitive low gear is when you're unplugged is when you're at the park staring at the pond and your default mode network in your brain releases and you just are idle. You are loafing. You are resting. And you your mind is able to process information just like neurons are floating and mixing around and you might have a revelation. That's why you might have revelation in the shower. Shower thoughts, same thing. The default mode network on unwinds dissolves a bit and you can have these different mixing mixing of thoughts swirling around and you have a creative epiphany or you maybe you're shaving in front of the mirror and it's just this mundane activity that you've automated and all of a sudden you have a creative thought come up because you are just in this mode of idleness essentially same thing with taking a walk it's all sorts of beautiful idle activities you can do You could just stare at the wall for 10 minutes. You could slowly peel an orange. You could look at the sunset. You could just sit on the porch and zone out. This is an intentional thing that's going to allow your your mind 
to unwind. So this is the cognitive low gear versus the cognitive high gear. Cognitive high gear, focus work, cognitive low gear, idle, loafing. Uh, Daniel Coyle calls this high performance loafing. And he talks about Mason Curry's book, Daily Rituals, and that most people, creatives, authors, writers, artists throughout history, Mason Curry talks about their daily routines. And Daniel Coyle identifies that most people in this book have an enormous amount, an enormous amount of loafing time. They do focus work for maybe five hours a day, six hours a day, and then they they're playing backgammon with their family. They're having story time. They're having long walks, showers, candlelight dinners, resting time, naps were really big in that book. But oftentimes in this modern world, we've forgotten this art of loafing and unplugging. So we're engaged in the cognitive middle gear. We're consuming podcasts. We're looking at social media. And so we might have this focused work. We're still doing the focused work, but our mind doesn't get a chance to rest and dissolve the default mode network and engage in this process of allowing thoughts to organically simmer. So the cognitive middle gear is when you're consuming the podcast or looking at social media or whatnot. And there's, there's a there's value. You're hopefully getting value from this podcast right now. And then you can go ironically later unplug, but your attention is engaged in a certain way right now where you're not allowed to, your mind is not able to just zone out. It's sort of this, it's, it's the attention is, is, uh, engaged in a certain level. That's this cognitive middle gear. So this has been a really helpful um, framework, the cognitive high gear, middle gear, and low gear. And if you check out that book, Daily Rituals, and you see, oh, yeah, all these people who existed in the past 400 years who never had technology the way we do, the digital technology, oh, wow, they really slowed down. They really slowed down. And this is essential for our bodies to engage in the parasympathetic nervous system rest and repair rejuvenation and our minds to have restoration to have creative epiphanies so he calls it coil calls it high performance loafing for a reason because the best most high highly productive people intentionally do nothing i'll say that again the most productive high performing people intentionally do nothing intentionally unplug so that they can be on crush it when they're in the cognitive high gear focus mode so they do 100% on 100% off 100% on 100% off 100% zoom in focus deep work concentration no distractions then unplug eat a slow lunch by the river Take a nap, deep sleep, deep work, right? We don't want to be in the middle ground. We're going to minimize the middle ground. Scrolling is the new smoking. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm not, 
the saint here. You know, I was scrolling Twitter last night, like, but I do have these boundaries in place with not going on social media the first few hours, not checking Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays, not checking, not having my phone in my bed, lots of stuff like that. So let, let this be a reminder for myself in this podcast and hopefully an antidote to the digital, the digital uh, swarm we have going for us as we continue to, to progress into the next decade. Let's retain consciousness. Let's stay grounded in our roots. I did a Facebook fast uh, a couple years ago where I took six weeks completely off from all social media. And it was wonderful. And I tapped in to what I called, and I wrote a blog post about it later. I talked about the before. I created this little term, capital T, capital B, the before. And what do, I, what do I mean by that? I got connected in that six-week fast to what it was like back in the 70s, I imagine, when we all we had was a landline for technology, no computers for the average person, let alone web, let alone phones, let alone texting, email. But you just had analog, Right? You didn't have this mental state of dopamine like at the ready (laughs) and continually all the speed of data coming through your mind and check, 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 check your phone, check your email, check your Skype, check your Slack. I mean, we are checking so many things. There's so many apps to check. We didn't have that before. I got back in touch with that where the evenings were slow. The evenings were slow. And that was what it was like before (laughs) most of history, before the web, before computers, we slowed down. We read books in the evening. So I encourage you to do that and check out Cal Newport's work, deep work, digital minimalism. Check out the book by Mason Curry, daily rituals. I'll link to those in the show notes. But yeah, let's get reconnected to this state of slowness and deep experience, meaningful, creative work, flow experience, and let's be in charge of our technology. The technology that's been very wonderful. It's broken down barriers of information where we can, we can connect with each other online. We can transform our lives. Like my life's been transformed by listening to podcasts, but let's be continue to be mindful of how the technology is embedded and be in charge of it. Because as Robert Piercek said in Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance, often technology increases convenience, but reduces quality. Technology increases convenience, but reduces quality. It's more convenient now to connect with people. You can easily connect with anybody in the world. Instantly text message them from the great wall of China. If you want, Go on Facebook Messenger for free. Message anybody on the planet, essentially. Really convenient. What's the quality of that connection compared to in-person, compared to a phone landline conversation? 
Let's be mindful of, of Piercig and his thought in that wonderful book, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Technology increases convenience, yet reduces quality. Now, is that true 100% of the time? Maybe not. But how can we gain value from that statement? All right, y'all. That was a solid 35 minutes on digital minimalism and technology. I think it's a good way to wrap up and end my season two of Exponentially Empowered. And I'm very sure I'll be, I'll be back in the coming months. And until then, stay grounded, stay empowered, and take care.